Now, now, don't blame me if you didn't get to hear enough of them because I sent out an email blast to every one of you and told you Unspoken would be here on Saturday night. So uh, you should go in the back and get a CD, all right? Uh, but, but I tell you what, they are great. And what we had last night was a Celebrate Recovery celebration. And it was awesome to see these people coming forward and getting their chips for being sober for six months, a year, two years. Man, God still does great work. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And, and Unspoken... Uh, they, they came from Tennessee to be with us and celebrate the celebration of um, people getting changed and recovering, and it was awesome. And uh, we had a great time last night, and uh, they came back today and did some worship. The worship was off the charts, wasn't it? It was awesome, awesome, awesome. And, and I, I just really love to see young people. Uh, young men and women who have a passion for God and have a gift from the Lord and they're using it for the kingdom. Amen? So let's give Unspoken a big hand again and go in the back and get a CD. Bless them. Amen? Now, uh, we, are, we are entering into a season. It's kind of the stretch where we're going to be getting ready for our big outreach on June the 9th. We are really excited about what God's going to do. Seven to 10,000 10, people are going to get food. They're going to get shoes. They're going to get a haircut. They're going to get the love of Jesus. They're going to come into the kingdom of God. They're going to get plugged into a church. Come on, somebody. And um, so, but we really all need to be involved in this thing. And it's not just showing up that day, but it's praying. It's really praying. It's seeking the face of God. And we're entering into a time where we're actually going to be reading together as a church. We're going to be reading the book of Nehemiah. Everybody say Nehemiah. We're going to be reading the book of Nehemiah as a church. This is a chart to help you. Take this out. You could put this in your Bible, and it'll help you to read uh, along with us as a church. We're going to read each day. We're going to read for 30 days or more. We're going to read the book of Nehemiah. Why? Because the book of Nehemiah is about rebuilding a city. And that's what we're about, rebuilding the cities on Long Island. And so I want to encourage you to please pray with us and read the book of Nehemiah and pray along those lines of, Lord, help us and use us as individuals, as, as a body, and then as a corporate body, 45 to 50 churches, to use us, Lord Jesus, to change our environment to change our world for the better. So I want you to join with us. And then Wednesday night, Pastor Henry and Jay Farkas, who is a tremendous teacher, they're going to be actually teaching through the book of Nehemiah on Wednesday nights as a Bible study. I want to encourage you to come. Even if you're in a small group, take these 30 days and learn about the book of Nehemiah. So we're going to pray together. We're going to pray the book of Nehemiah. We're going to read the book of Nehemiah. We're going to study the book of Nehemiah so we can know what God is saying to us when it comes to touching our communities. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew, and let me tell you, uh, this awakening series has just awakened in so much hope in people's lives, and I have to tell you some really good news of things that have happened since Easter. Over 125 people have recommitted their lives to the Lord or given their lives to the Lord for the first time. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. Hallelujah. 
And a lot of them are in my foundations class and God is doing a great work. It's still time for you to get into that class. I would encourage you 7.30 on Wednesday night to get into the foundations class. And like I said before, you guys have been so awesome, but we have been able up to this point to raise $55,000 for our outreach. And it's because of your hard work and your labor of love. And so I want to say thank the Lord for that as well. Somebody say amen. So it's been an amazing thing. God has awakened in us hope. He's awakened love. He's awakened compassion in our heart. And he's awakened faith in our heart. This morning, I want to talk about an awe awakening. Everybody say awe. Now there's either awe or there's awe. So I'm not talking about the awe. I'm talking about the awe. So let's practice that. Now it's not an awe. It's an awe. All right, do it again. Awe. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look awesome. Right, we're going to talk about an awakening of awe in our lives. And look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. Matthew 8, 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Notice their response. Then the men were what? They were what? They were amazed and asked, what kind of a man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now today I want to talk about how amazing God really is in our lives and how we all need to put our awe back on. So this morning, if there's anything that I see in the scriptures, I see that, that there is a, a word amazed in the New Testament, in particular in the Gospels when it comes to Jesus, that people were simply amazed at what he did. In fact, you'll find in the Gospels 45 times when it says, and they were amazed. They were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed at the authority that he had. They were amazed at his miracles. They were amazed at his compassion. They were amazed at his connection with God. They were amazed at his boldness. And where did it start? It started when he was a little boy. Remember when he was in the temple with the Pharisees? The Bible says that as he was talking to the Pharisees and asking questions and giving answers, they were all amazed at this young little boy who had the knowledge of God. Everybody say, that's amazing. Now in Luke chapter 5, we find another situation where Jesus simply amazes the crowd and they're in awe. Now here's what happens. Jesus is in a little house and there's a lot of people, there's a line out the door because Jesus is healing the sick and people need to be healed. And Jesus is preaching the gospel. His parents are outside. His, his, his brothers are outside. They can't even get in the house. It's so crowded. And there's a guy who's lame and he's got some really good buddies who brings him to church. And what happens when they get to this little building, this little house, they can't get in. So what do they do? They climb up. That's innovative. They climb up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof and they lower this guy down. Now Jesus stops everything because I think, I think Jesus starts laughing. He's like, oh, dude, I've seen it all now. And they lower this guy down and Jesus looks at this guy and he knows what the Pharisees are thinking because he's God. And he knows the Pharisees are going to challenge him. 
And he says to the guy, he doesn't say, rise and be healed first. He says to the guy, your sins are forgiven you. And the Pharisees get really angry. They say, who forgives sin other than God himself? And Jesus says, so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin, rise up and walk. And the man rises up and walks. And notice their response. And the people, the Bible says this. Listen, listen what it says. And everyone was amazed. Everybody say amazed. And everyone was amazed, and they gave praise to God. When you're amazed, you give praise to God. When you're amazed, you are standing in awe of the presence of God. When you're amazed, you're passionate about your love for God. Notice what it says. And they were filled with awe. Everybody say, they were filled with awe. And said to each other, we have seen amazing things today. Wow. They were amazed and they were filled with awe. And it resulted in praise to God. Notice it says, they were amazed and they praised the Lord. And this morning, I'm praying that you and I will experience an awe awakening. An awakening in our spirit that we will be awestruck with the presence of God. That we will be awestruck by the great love that God has for us. That we will stand in awe at the power of God. That we will be awestruck with the greatness of who God is in our life. You see, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs an awe awakening. An awakening of wonder. An awakening of awe in the very presence of God. You see, the truth is we have lost our wonder of God God of wonders we have lost our wonder of God and the reason why we've lost our wonder for God our awe is because Jesus has become commonplace in the church I want to be honest with you I think Jesus has become way too familiar that we're just so accustomed to come into the presence of God we're just so accustomed to hearing and hearing and hearing we're just so accustomed to the great love of God showered on our life, poured into our life, that we are taking Jesus totally for granted. And it breaks his heart. In fact, in the book of Revelation, Jesus' heart's broken. Why? Because he's talking to the churches, and many of the churches, he gives a firm rebuke and correction because whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And, and we find a church in the book of Revelation in chapter 2, it's a church that's very busy. I mean, they, they, they are busy. They're doing a lot of good stuff. They're reaching their neighborhood. They've got their little house of hope going on. They've got their GED program going on. They've got their ESL program. They've got their small groups going on. They've got services a lot of times during the week. They're studying the Bible. And Jesus says to them, he says, I know your works, he says. He says, I can see what you're doing. He says, in fact, you don't tolerate wicked people. He says, but there's one thing that I have against you. You have forsaken your first love. That you have abandoned your first love. He says, you have forsaken your sense of awe. You have forsaken the wonder of who I am. You have abandoned your first love. He said, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first, or I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. He said, you lost the amazement of simply, listen to me, simply being in my presence. He said, you've lost that love that you once had for me. 
you lost the amazement. Do you remember the time when you were so incredibly amazed at God? It was new. It was fresh. And you were on fire for God. I mean, you loved God so much. It, you, you were so amazed at the things that God was doing in your life that, that you couldn't help but to tell somebody else about what God was doing in your life. Do you remember the time when you were so bold, you didn't care what other people thought about what you said about Christ because you loved them so much from the abundance of the heart. You were so amazed at all the great things that God did in your life that you couldn't help but to tell somebody else about it. But he said, now your prayers are limited by your lack of awe. You see, awe brings faith, amen? When you're in awe of God, it brings faith, and faith brings power in our life. Your life is void of the wonder of my omnipresence. You lack the joy of your salvation because you've lost your awe. You come to church, you go to Bible study, even reach out to the poor and the needy, but there's just something missing. What's missing? It's the awe factor. It's the awe factor. It's the excitement of simply being in the presence of God. Paul knew what it was like to be religious. He studied on the, a, a great Pharisee, and he knew exactly how to follow the law. He knew how to be religious. He knew how to put on his religious garb. He knew how to put on his religion, but he didn't know how to put on his awe. And the Bible says that he confronted Jesus. In fact, Jesus confronts him. And when he confronts Jesus, he is awestruck by the mercy and grace of God. He said, I was chief of sinners. But because of the grace of God, because God reached down and touched me, now I'm awestruck in the presence of God. He was awestruck with the love of God. In fact, he says to all of us, I pray that the, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you might know how long and wide and deep and high is the love of God, that your life would be established in being amazed by the love of God. John was in awe of the love of God. When John said this, he said, I pray that you would understand. He said, behold what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. That should take your breath away. That should simply take your breath away. That a God that is so great, that a God that is so mighty, that a God that spoke and created the heavens and earth would reach down and love me. It should be enough amazement to last me throughout all of eternity. Come on, somebody. And Paul, the apostle, he says, I want to have that love every single day of my life. In fact, Paul, the apostle, says in Philippians chapter 3, but whatever is to my prophet, whatever was to my prophet as a Pharisee, as one who followed the law, he said, I consider it a loss for the sake of Christ." For the sake of being amazed in the presence of Almighty God. He said, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness. The awesome greatness of simply knowing Jesus, my Lord, in whom I have given up all things. In whom I have lost all things. He said, it's nothing but rubbish compared to being in the awesome presence of God. He said, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. He's the lover of my soul. He's my first love. He's my last love. He's the one who died for me. He's the one who came into my life. I love him with an everlasting love. He said, to be found in him, not having a righteousness that comes from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Can you sense Paul's awe of God? Can you just feel the amazement that Paul still has for Christ? As he cries out to the Lord and he said, God, I haven't already attained this yet, Lord. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or not that I've already been made perfect, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind. I forget those days that I took God for granted. I think the greatest sin of all it's to recognize that God is in my life and I forget how awesome that really is. That the greatest sin of all is that I would forget that Christ loved me so much. That Christ is willing to walk with me every day of my life. That Christ is willing to give me the grace when I need it. The peace when I need it. The joy that I need. That God gives me every day of my life daily bread. And I take that for granted. That I don't understand how awesome that really is. Paul says that I might know Christ and forget what is behind yesterday. Maybe yesterday you were stale, lukewarm, and indifferent in the presence of God. Paul says today is a new day, a new opportunity to commit your life to Christ in a way that you would be amazed, simply amazed at his presence. Let me be honest with you. Just because I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean that there are times when I don't get kind of stale. When my walk with the Lord doesn't get kind of stale. Now, I want to tell you, I pray every day. And I pray more and more that my prayer life would increase and increase and increase. And man, I'm, I'm praying a good amount these days. But sometimes when you pray, it's just, it's just out of habit. You know, you get up and you don't feel like, but you do it anyway. And you read the word and it's, it's out of habit. And just recently, I asked the Lord, I said, God, I said, I never want to ever Stop being amazed when I open your word. I mean, it's not just emotionalism. It's not just that we, we would just walk around always emotional about what God is doing in our lives, but, but there's got to be an amazement in my spirit. There's got to be a first love. And two weeks ago, I went to a conference, and I told you last week, but I'm telling you, it did something in my heart. I had gone on vacation, and you know, it was a couple of days, four days on vacation, and and I didn't have the time that I usually spend in the presence of God. I did. I spent time with God. But I just was like missing that amazement, that sense of amazement, that sense of love. And I'll never forget being in the balcony at this convention. And there must have been five, 7,000 people. They're all leaders from different churches. And I didn't have to preach. I didn't have to lead worship. I didn't have to worry about the lights, the heat, the people, anything, you know. I just got into the presence of God. And I said, God... I said, I want to I love you and be more amazed with you than I've ever been in my life. God, I want you to give me more than just my first love. I want you to give me a deep love that comes out of knowing you for 30 years. But give me that same intensity. Give me that same amazement that I had the first day I met you, God. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness, it only takes a moment of being humble and broken in the presence of God. It only takes a moment to say, God, you know what? It's not the same. I'm kind of dry. 
I pray every day. I read the word every day. But God, I just want to have that. I, I want to be excited in your presence. God, I want to love you more than I've ever loved you before. And let me tell you, as God is my witness, he whispered into my ear. I heard the voice of God. It wasn't audible, but I've learned to hear that, that compassionate, loving voice that God spoke to me and said, Steve, I've always loved you. You're my son. I'm your Abba. I'm your father. And I felt the breeze of the spirit. I felt the pneuma of God. I felt the breath of God come back into me. And now I'll tell you the honest truth for the last several weeks. I've been in love with Jesus again. <laughs> I've encountered Jesus again. Glory to God. And I believe that God wants us to recapture an awe for God. Because the truth is Jesus should still amaze us. Jesus should still knock us off our feet with wonder. Jesus should take our breath away. You should take our breath away. I mean, there should be times in worship where you just can't breathe. Not because you're having an asthma attack. Not because you're bored and tired, but you just can't breathe because your, your heart skips a beat. It's like when you're with the person that you really love. Every once in a while, your heart should skip a beat. You'd go, wow. You know, when you meet that girl for the first time, it's like, ooh. You know, when you're really in love with somebody and your heart just kind of misses a beat, and like, oh, that was good. Jesus should take your breath away. Jesus, Jesus should still wow you and I. In fact, if you, if you simply skim through the scriptures, you'll find people that were in awe of God. And anyone who was in awe of God, God would come and kiss them. God would come and work in their life. God would do a work. Abraham was in awe of God. And God said, Abraham, I'm going to use you. Because I found somebody that was not great, that was not popular, that was not someone who had great power, just somebody that was in awe of me. And you see, the Bible says in the presence of God, God comes in the presence of our worship. God inhabits our praises. Oh, he comes alongside of a person who's broken and humble. Blessed are the poor, for they shall see God. Jesus said, if we humble ourselves, if we come before God with a broken spirit, blessed are the poor, for they shall encounter God. God loves a broken person who's in awe of his presence. And he says, if you draw nigh to me with a broken and contrite, humble heart, in awe and amazed of me, I will come down and I'll work in your life in a powerful way. And just a simple skim of the Bible will find people that were amazed with God. I think of Moses. If you look at Exodus chapter 32, and I don't want you to turn right now, but if you read it carefully, you'll see that the people of Israel, they were rebellious. Moses was on the hill. He was on the mountain for 40 days. They said, he's not coming back. Give us another God. And Aaron says, take your earrings off. And he said, tell your moms, tell your brothers, your sisters, everyone who's got earrings, take them off. And he fashioned an, another God. That's what happens when you, when you don't wait on God. That's what happens when you're not amazed with God. When you're not so in love with Jesus, something else takes that place and it becomes a God in your life. And the Bible says that Moses comes down and he sees that the people are, 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 are in this frenzy and they're worshiping this other idol. And, and I love Aaron. Come on, dude, take responsibility. I don't know. I just got all this gold. I threw it in the fire. Out came, pop, out came a God. 
And the Bible says that Moses, he took that golden image and he, and he ground it down into powder and he made the people drink it. Wow. And then he separated those that were for him and those that were against him. And then God speaks to Moses and he says to Moses, now I want you to get the people up and go into the land that I promised that I would give you. And Moses says something. He says, Lord, I've been hearing about your power. Now listen to me, hearing about your power. Moses saw God do incredible things in his life. Moses saw God part the Red Sea. Moses saw God deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt with his mighty hand. And yet Moses said, God, I want more of you, God. Lord, I've seen your power. Lord, I've seen the things that you do in, your life, in my life, God. But God, notice what Moses says to God. The Bible says Moses would go into the tent of meeting. I call it the tent of awe. And he would pray, and all the people, listen to me, and all the people, as they watched Moses go into the tent, they would stand in front of their tent. And the Bible says there was a cloud of glory that would fall on Moses' tent. And Moses would talk to God face to face. Listen to me. If I talk to God face to face, take me to heaven. I've seen it all. Glory to God. I've had enough. But Moses still doesn't have enough. Moses says, but I want more, God. I've heard you. I've seen you, God. I've seen your glory. I've seen your power but God I'm still amazed at you God I'm still in awe and I want more of you and God says I want you to lead the people and Moses says I heard you you said you want me to lead the people but God show me your glory Moses didn't see the power of God he did but he was still hungry for more of the glory of God. You see, when you're in awe of God, when you're amazed at God, whatever he's already done in your life, you're thankful, but you say, God, there's got to be more. Hallelujah. God, I want more, God. I want more of your glory. I want more of your power. Lord, I want more of your presence in my life. You look at Isaiah. You just skim through the Old Testament and you find people that are in awe of God's presence. You think of Isaiah. Isaiah is coming through a difficult time. National Israel had just lost their king. And the Bible says in the year that King Uzziah died, chapter 6 of Isaiah, go home and read it. The Bible said, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that, that Isaiah didn't take that for granted, but he said, woe is me, oh God. Lord, I've seen the Lord, and I'm a man of unclean lips. That's what happens when you're amazed at the holiness of God, that he's a holy God. He's a thrice holy God, and God still allows us to come into the presence of God. And how often do we take the holiness of God for granted? How often do we take the holiness of God for granted in our own personal life? And we don't recognize that God is an awesome, awesome, holy God, and he allows us to come into his presence. Listen, the word awe in the Greek and the word awe in the Hebrew still means they stood in fear of God. I know we use that word awesome. We had an awesome service. But you know the word awe means to be in fear of God. It means that you understand how powerful, how mighty, how majestic, how glorious, how holy he is. And still, he lets us unholy people come into his holy presence. Wow. I mean, I, mean, I should stop right now and have you stand to your feet and just raise your hand and say, Thank you, God. I'm unholy, God. And you've been so good to me to let me come into your presence. And Isaiah says, oh, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. 
And God says, don't worry, I'm going to send the angel. And the angel comes and touches his lips. And what's Isaiah's response to that? God says, and now who will I send? And Isaiah said, send me. Send me, God. I've seen you. I've seen your glory. I've seen your power. Lord, I've been touched by your grace. I've been touched by your love, God. And I can't help it, but I want to tell somebody else about your amazing power. That's what happens when you're in awe of God's presence. You can't help but to tell somebody else about what God's done in your life glory to God glory to God John the disciple he's on the island of Patmos and he said on the Lord's day he said I saw the Lord he said I heard a voice first and I turn around to see who is this that is speaking the voice is so thunderous he says that I've got to turn around. And when I turn around, I see him. I see Christ. His hair is white as snow. His eyes are a flaming fire. When he speaks, he speaks with authority. He said, and when I looked, he said, I fell as if I were dead. Wow, that's being in awe of God's presence. Do we still have the awe of God? Friend, that's the question today. Does God still excite us? Are we still in awe of God's incredible presence in our life? David had the awe. David said, one thing I, I pray, oh God, Psalms 27, one thing I seek, God, that I may dwell in your house all the days of my life, and I may dwell, I may dwell in your house and gaze upon the beauty of your holiness. Wow. He said, I want to gaze upon, that word gaze means look intently upon the holiness, the awesomeness of God's presence. John declared that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, we proclaim concerning the word of God. All these men had one thing in common. They had their awe of God on. Let me ask you a question as I close this morning, and we're going to worship the living God. Does God still amaze you? Are you still amazed by God's love? Are you still amazed at God's grace? Paul said, I was the chiefest of sinners. And the thing that amazes me the most is that God would use me even though I was a sinner. God's grace was upon me and the love of God compels me now to serve and love him with all my heart. Are you still amazed by the presence of God? Does the reality of God's abiding presence simply amaze you every day? Psalms 139, David says, Oh God, where can I go from your amazing presence? Oh God, where can I run from your amazing presence, oh God? Lord, where can I run? Where can I hide? from your awesome presence. He said, if I make my bed in heaven, you are there. Even if I make my bed in hell, you are there as well, God. Your awesome presence walks with me. I will never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Does it simply amaze you that wherever you go, when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you are, you know that God is right with you. And not only is he with you, but he's living inside of you. I'm going to tell you what amazes me in the balcony. I'm going to tell you what amazes me. That the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who spoke and the stars were made, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the waters and the sea, the sun and the moon, the God who created all of those things, 
And he created them for his pleasure, as the word of God says. And let me tell you, Psalms 148 says all of those things, they worship God. Oh, I wish I would have been able to show you this, but if you go on YouTube and just put in Lou Giglio, Lou Giglio, the symphony. I wish I had time, but it's very long. But he, he talks about how God created all the things in the heavens and the earth, and they all sing and make music to God in a symphony. And today, right now, while you're sitting in this place, and you're listening to me speak to you, there are stars that are billions of miles away. There are pulsar stars that are making sounds. You can hear it. They're making sounds. There are whales that are singing. There are birds that are singing. There are plants that are budding. There are waters that are, that are turning. There are all kinds of things in nature. And they're all singing to God. They're all praising God. They're all worshiping God. They're all worshiping the living God in a symphony of praise, in a symphony of worship. They're serving and living all for one reason, to worship a living God. And God says, my crown creation I call you to join in in the symphony of the amazement of who God is. Let's pray. Let's pray. Listen to me, my friend. You know when somebody is still amazed at the love and the grace of God's presence in their life, when someone is amazed, when someone has an awe for the glory of the presence of God, they come into the presence of Almighty God with a holy love, with a passionate worship, with a sense of awe and amazement, a brokenness and a humility that an awesome God who created the heavens and the earth, a God that is holy and glorious and all-knowing and all-powerful allows us access into the holy of holy. And Hebrews says it this way, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Hebrews tells us, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that has been created by Almighty God, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That Psalms 33, 1 says... Rejoice in the Lord, O righteous ones, for praise is upright and fitting. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts in them. By the breath of his mouth, he gathers the water of the sea together as a heap. He lays the deep in his storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand, stand, stand. Stand, stand, stand. Come on, you're gonna get it. Stand, 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 stand. With hands stretched towards heaven. 
stand in awe, in awe of the presence of God, in awe and amazement of how great is our God, in awe and amazement at His grace for our lives, in awe and amazement that one day Jesus is going to come again. He's going to break the eastern skies wide open and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to come and every knee shall bow.